Hello Makers, I am Jen, Head of Marketing for Making, and we are here at Sacred Sheep in Portland, Oregon, interviewing some vendors and other people who are connected to this amazing show. Uh, and of course, His real name's Casanova. Oh my gosh. Larry. Larry, you're beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for being, you want to be interviewed? Tell me how you're feeling. How are you doing today? Great. Why are you excited to be here at Sacred Sheep? Oh, do you want to get in too? Yeah, okay, thank you. You're just so important and we're so glad that you're here. Do you have anything else that you'd like to say to the people watching and or listening? Very insightful. Thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate you. Thank you. I'm Fiona of Fiona K Knits. I'm a yarn dyer out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I am just happy to be here. Awesome. We're so glad that you're here too. Okay. So where did your maker journey begin? Oh my gosh. So my mom taught me how to knit when I was 12. Nice. I was a terrible student. I'm just going to say that now. I made my lumpy garter stitch scarf with holes in it and made her fix all my mistakes and I was 12, so I was too sassy. <laughs> I mean, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but, like, I feel like everybody's first knit is, like, a thing. It's, like, a scarf thing or it's a hat thing because it's not quite exactly where you would want it. Exactly. It's a, it's a badge of honor to knit the holy lumpy thing. Yes. It's true. And you got to get it out of your system. I know. It's really now, important. Do you still have it? My dad still has it. I he love it. wore it until fairly recently. Dad. It's also made from acrylic yarn from Fred Meyer that was falling apart. Fair. So, but yeah. Well, we work with what we have, <laughs> you know? He uh, he got an upgrade finally for Christmas. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that he continued to wear it. He did. Even as I was, like, making more complicated things and he never asked, he just wore it on his watch. Dad, that's wonderful. I love that. <laughs> How did knitting the first scarf thing translate into your business today? Oh, my God. I know that that's a long that's time frame. a long but... time. Um, <laughs> from my lumpy scarf, I took a little break. Okay. Um and I picked it up again in college when I was really homesick. I yeah. missed my home. I missed going to the local yarn stores with my mom. Yeah. Like, even though I wasn't a great knitter, like, I just felt so much community there. Yeah. And so I started picking it up again just to have something to do with my hands and, like, feel feeling comfort. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got a job at a yarn store. And just my whole life has been yarn since then. <laughs> it, was, it was missing home and mom. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It That's was great. missing something familiar. Let's talk about what you do. Yeah. You have a colorway names like Knitting is Punk and Knitting is Hardcore. <laughs> uh, now, I can guess where you get your inspiration, but let's hear more. I've been a musical person my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like, I love music. I love all genres. Um, and I really just grew up kind of with that, like, punk DIY lifestyle. Yeah. Um, 
that's what crafting is to me is like crafting is super punk. Like you yeah. go out here, you make something that speaks to you. You make something with your heart. So that's a lot of where my colorways come from is like listening to music in my studio and hearing the color, if that makes any sense. That's amazing. Yeah. I just, I feel, I feel an energy when I listen to music and I, yeah. I really put that into my work. That's so cool. You offer an anti-fat tax discount. Yes. Which we love to see it. Thank you for offering it. That's wonderful. What would you say to other businesses, large and small, mm -hmm. about considering an anti-fat tax discount? Yeah. <laughs> word. Word. I forgot a word. Word. It's so much about just respecting everyone. You know, mm -hmm. like, it's an inclusive process. And, like, people have different bodies. And that is yeah. great. Mm -hmm. Like, that shouldn't be something that we shy away from. Um, I... When I saw people were doing anti-fat tax discounts, I was so moved because, like, I'm a person, I'm a plus-size person, mm -hmm. and the only way that I could afford to knit sweaters was working at a yarn shop and having an employee yeah. discount or dyeing my own. It's a lot, There yeah. is no way that I could pay full price for a sweater quantity of something. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... But everybody deserves to make something beautiful for their body that fits and yeah. feels good. Yeah. And... Even though, like, putting a discount on something might feel a little scary for a small business, I know it felt scary for me, it brought so many more people to me mm. that I don't think would have found me otherwise. And it, yeah. it opened my community and included so many more beautiful people. I love that. And that's, that's what it's about. It's so beautiful. That was the... That was going to be the question that I was going to ask if you didn't address it is like, I know as small businesses, like offering any sort of discount is hard because you work really hard to do it. But I think it is showing where your own values are at. Exactly. And then the people will come that feel connected to that as well. Yeah. I yeah. really found like through my branding and my social media and the anti-fat tax discount, like my people find me, yeah, and that is the best feeling in the world. Awesome. And I just can't even describe it. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Okay. We have Vanessa here, and just personally, I'm very excited about this because I've been following you for a while, and I feel like we keep missing each other in life yeah. to meet each other, and we do have a lot of in common yes. from what I know, yes. so this is, this is fun for me. So um, even Same. if... Oh, good. Well, that's Same. good. <laughs> What if you were like, well, it's not for me. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Awkward. Do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm Vanessa of Ocean Knits and currently Ocean Fibers as well. Awesome. I'm a new yarn dyer too. But yeah, I live in Astoria, Oregon. So pretty much local to Portland in this show, which is really special and fun. I'm a marine biologist, hence the ocean. I did spell ocean differently because, you know. You gotta be different. You gotta be fancy. Um, but yeah, I you can't tell because I'm wearing all black today, apart from my beanie. But I absolutely adore colors. Mm -hmm. I think it stems from you know my love of the ocean. If anybody has ever been diving, especially in tropical waters, it's just it's a colorful mixture, rainbow. That was gonna be one of my questions because you did roll in today in all black, yes. except for your hat. But yeah. your color. Your colorways are all very bright. Yes, and I just discovered that because I mean, like, who who likes to knit with black yarn, right? No one. No. I mean, I mean, if you do, that's great. But I just discovered I can knit with beautiful, colorful yarn and then just dye it black. 
which I know might be kind of taboo. But I love it. But I get the experience of knitting with a colorful yarn and then being able to wear it because I I don't wear my knits because they're so colorful. Yeah. So once I discovered that, I'm like, wait, I'm a yarn dyer. I can dye all of this black. So now I can wear it. I did knit a pair of black pants, my made-for-you knit pants. Yes. And that was like, it was torture. (laughs) And I'm knitting another pair in brown, and that's also torture, but... Next pair are going to be super colorful. And I love it. So have you tried the, like, knitting light? The, like, light that comes around I already had one before. I'm not a big fan of it. I think because I knit so much on fishing boats, I'm just used to kind of being in the dark. I do want to talk more about knitting on boats. And <laughs> a marine being a marine biologist yeah. and what all of that looks like. I don't swim with dolphins. Okay. It's not as glamorous. Yeah, I was a fisheries biologist for six years. I worked on fishing boats along the California, Oregon, Washington coast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was an independent biologist collecting data for sustainable fisheries. And in 2020, I got promoted and I now train. I'm also the first female water safety trainer. Well, for for our program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And uh, so I train and manage and support fishery observers, which I really love. I spent six years on boats, and I think that's where I really blossomed as a knitter. I've been knitting since I was really little. My grandma and my mom both knit, passed down generations. I never really took it seriously. I made, like, scarves and hats and stuff like that, but it was when I had a lot of downtime on the boats. And also knitting so much and realizing that I needed to alter a lot of these designs for my body kind of, you know, created this need of me designing knitwear. Let's say you do have time to knit. Yeah. You have no distractions. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you want, but it's like the perfect setup for a good long day of knitting. Snow has been your dogs. Not in my house because I'll get distracted by cleaning. Where is your like perfect go-to if you could just be in the most perfect spot? Honestly, I kind of miss my days on the fishing boats. I love that. I would just spend hours and hours, especially I used to work on the Sea Storm. It was a uh, huge ship that goes up to Alaska. Super cushy. We've got two heads. It's a bathroom and yes, yes. Boat, boat world. For those that uh, Great cook. And I actually didn't ever have to put on rain gear and go out. Even the guys barely put on their rain gear. It was a lot of downtime. Very clean fishing. And, you know, my longest trip with them was like 55 days. And when I tell you I knit, I... I made like seven sweaters in 55 days and it wasn't just chunky sweaters. I had like petite knit because at the time I wasn't, I was just starting into knitwear design back then. But yeah, I mean, it was just, it's really peaceful. Fishermen are usually pretty quiet. They're, they're okay with just sitting there in silence, which I love. So I just sit up in the wheelhouse and just knit for hours, which was (laughs) Well, hello, everyone. I'm Joanna. I am the creative and owner of Stitching the High Notes, which is a YouTube channel as well as an online shop. Um, On YouTube, I share weekly vlogs where I share what I'm currently making, whether it be knitting, sewing, crochet, cross-stitch, woodwork, whatever my creative focus is that week. And then I also share what I'm making for my small business where I make project bags and curate tools and notions for makers like you. 
And my hope with every vlog, and I'm starting to do travel vlogs and come to wolf festivals as well, is to encourage and inspire people to embrace their own innate creativity, which doesn't come easy for a lot of folks. Yeah. And uh, I believe the best and the easiest way to do that is to make sure you seek out and find joy in your everyday life, uh, or you can stitch the high notes, which is partly where the name came from as well as I used to be a opera singer. So that's where that came wow. from as well. So <laughs> that was gonna be a question, but I, I also figured that it might be answered right out of the gate. That's awesome. Where have you performed? Tell us more about that real quick. Yeah, so I am now retired at mm. the ripe age of 43, but not really retired. I sang professionally for almost 20 years. Um, I sang with the San Francisco Opera off and on, um, mainly with the chorus, a few solo roles there, and as well as at the San Francisco Symphony for many years as a professional member of their chorus. Uh, and then gigging, you know, and doing all of that around there. And, um, but I loved it, but I, I'm, I'm a morning person. Mm. So the 14, 17 hour days, sometimes during the holidays were really getting to me. And yeah. I was always working a nine to five. I worked in the arts nonprofit field for many years as a fundraiser up until yeah. just recently, actually. Yeah. So I, I was ready to make a shift. And luckily knitting came into the scene about seven or eight years ago. Let's talk about your journey as a maker. So about seven or eight years ago. You picked up knitting, but was um, making and crafting like always in your life through your family and such? Always, yeah. My, awesome. My grandmother and my mother were seamstresses. They had their mm-hmm. own businesses at certain points in their life. I, my first love, and kind of still is to some extent, is cross-stitch. So I started out with that, and then I picked up knitting uh, really hardcore in about 2015 Mm -hmm. because I was doing a lot of those holiday shows, and I was sitting around in between rehearsals, and I wanted to get off my phone. So I learned knitting, and I fell in love, and I fell in love with the community because that's when it started to really become a thing on on the internet and online. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'd dip my toe into the YouTube world because I love filmmaking. I love storytelling through art, whatever yeah. the medium is. Yeah. So. yeah, we feel that too, for sure. So who taught you how to knit? Uh, YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, very pink knits. Oh, yeah. Um, I think uh, I did some creative bug mm-hmm. uh, lessons as well. And then I had some friends who would fill in the blanks in person, go to local yarn shops so as great. well. But I'm such a visual learner. Like that was, I'm very lucky that YouTube at that time was around that I could kind of learn from there. Yeah. What was the first thing that you ever knit? I, I'm a go big or go home kind of gal. So it. Yeah. it was a lace, uh, lace work scarf. Um, nice. that I think I made through one of those creative bug or some or something akin to that uh, courses. Tell us what you're working on and like what your future plans are and like the the North Star goals. Oh man, oh, well, put it out there, manifest it as it's they say. It's true. We do a lot of <laughs> manifesting at making. It. The big dream I think is to have a continue to have an online shop and have a brick and mortar but really like a community space, a maker space, if you will, but it incorporates all creativity. So I'd love it yeah. to have a stage and have piano recitals there for teachers to be there. We can have couches and, and you know, have Zoom meetings because I have a lovely international audience and crew so that they can be involved as well. 
Um, and then continue to sell. I love making bags. I love curating fabrics and stuff like that, but I want to make them even more special and higher quality as I continue to hone my skills as a sewist as well. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm working towards. And, awesome. and also incorporating more of my business side too, because I yeah. worked as a director, associate director in fundraising for so many years and, mm -hmm. and in the creative field. So I feel like I can, I've already helped out a lot of my friends who have creative businesses. Mm -hmm. So kind of opening that branch as well. So awesome. Typical that's, entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a few things, you know, that's it. And we are at Sacred Sheep, and um, this amazing human walked in, and I was like, I know you. <laughs> Thanks for coming over. Do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Chinoa Matthews. I'm the um, designer behind Chintu Together on Instagram. Um, I'm wearing currently my mother in mud cloth sweater, uh. M-U-D-C-L-O-T-H, just in case you haven't heard of it. It's based on uh, traditional West African textiles that are painted with fermented mud. Um, to make the designs, which is why it's called mud cloth. So amazing. I okay. wanted to take the tradition and like transform it into. That's amazing. So where did your making journey begin? It started in fourth grade. I went to this kind of private school that was a little weird. They're yeah. like, you can um, take your English class or you can go learn how to knit. So I went and learned how to knit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a clear choice. Yes. Seriously. Um, my first project was a four stitch. Uh, garter um, bookmark mm -hmm. made with chopsticks and ever since then I've never put down the needles or chopsticks. So do you still have your first project? No. Aww. I do have my first cable swatch that I've ever done. It was my first uh, time going to like a knitting store for um, a lesson and mm -hmm. I do have that. Cool. How did that translate into, into designing for you? So I came out of Best Social when I was uh, 23 and that's when I first started like diving into the community because I was, wasn't worried about um, people saying that I was like gay or feminine for knitting. I met this coworker at my job who was knitting. She saw my bag from Verb and she was like, oh, you knit too? And then ever since then, I just started diving into the knitting world headfirst and started my Instagram. And so I started designing not long after because I wasn't finding enough patterns that I liked for myself. I was like, you know what, why don't I just put them out there? I have a skill, I can learn how to do it. And so, yeah, that was pretty much it. What was your very first pattern? My very first pattern was called the soup beanie. Um, mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a long knit. It's a hat, yeah. um, but it's a fisherman's rib, fisherman's beanie. So it's kind of small, it. yeah. it's just on the head, but yeah, nice. it was really good. I like it, cool. What is like your next thing that you're doing? I am Emily O'Brien from Kitty with a Cupcake. Where did your maker journey begin? Oh, I don't know. The womb? <laughs> I guess. I, I've, I've pretty much always been uh, like creative, want to make things with my hands kind mm -hmm. of person. Like when I was little, I'd like be cutting up little felt bits and like making little felt dolls and stuff. So pretty Perfect. much forever. What is your like go-to like I'm going to sit down and chill craft? Knitting for knitting. sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. I have been knitting since I was 12, so nice. I can totally just muscle memory, like yeah. vanilla knitting. I can walk around. I can knit in the dark in the movie theater. So that is like. That's a skill. Yeah. You need to get together with um, mm -hmm. Botanical Yarns. Mm -hmm. She also likes to go to the theater. Yeah, it's good. It gets, it's yeah. just like makes me more relaxed because like my hands are occupied yeah. so that like whatever back part of my brain that would be having anxiety is occupied then. Yeah. You have your knitting. Mm -hmm. You have, like, a good, like, half to full day just to knit. Nothing else. Ooh. 
what does your what is your ideal setup for that? Like, mm-hmm. where are you where are you at? Are you listening, watching anything? Are you drinking, eating anything? Whatever. Okay. Uh, I have a, an L-shaped couch, and I like to be in the corner of the L. That's the ideal spot. So far, so good. Yes. With a blanket <laughs> and maybe some cats on top of the blanket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then my ideal project and my ideal show are like a pairing situation. So if I'm watching something interesting... That I have never seen yes. before that I need to like look at the oh, TV. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. It's going to be like that vanilla, like a sock or like a garter stitch, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, but if I like want to get into like an interesting pattern that I have to like read or like count or, you know, look at stuff, mm-hmm. then probably Gilmore Girls is on. Perfect. How many times have you watched Gilmore Girls all the way through? Uh, an embarrassing amount. It's it's, it's in the double digits for if sure. It's something that makes you happy. That's not embarrassing. Thank you. I love all of this. I am very similar to that. Is are your cats though? Are they interested in your yarn? Um, I have them trained pretty good so that they know that they get kicked off the lap. If they yeah, if you mess with this, with you it. can't snuggle. Yeah. What is your most favorite thing that you've ever made for yourself personally? I really love my just like mitered garter stitch scrappy blanket because it has a square from like every project that I made for like nine years in it. So it's like memories. It's so nice. It's also really cute because it's the coziest memories pattern by Kemper, who is my booth mate. And we were not friends when I made that. I literally didn't know them personally. So it's kind of special for that reason, too. So, Oh, my God. This is wonderful. (laughs) Now, what is your most favorite thing that you've ever made professionally? Probably my witchy pocket pin set. Mm -hmm. It's a little enamel pin set where the big pin is a, like, Polly Pocket Compact, but it's like a little witch house. There's a little cauldron and like drying herbs in there. And then there's a teeny tiny mini pin that is a little Polly Pocket witch. So, <laughs> and I like to draw that so much that it's a whole series now. There's a ghosty pocket and a mermaid pocket and a fairy pocket. That's so cute. Oh my God. <laughs> we are here at Sacred Sheep. And no, I was going to say, I want you to introduce yourself to everyone. So we're good. I'm Nicole and I have a podcast called Professor Pearl because I'm a math education professor. Mm -hmm. And so that's my kind of joke. Professor that pearls. (laughs) Perfect. Tell us about your maker journey. When did this all begin? Well, I learned to knit as a young child and I actually don't even remember learning. I just always, like, I couldn't even tell you what my first project is. I just don't ever remember not knitting. I think there were seasons where I knit a lot. Like as a child, Mm -hmm. I loved to knit and I would make things for my toys. And and then in high school and college, it was like less cool. But I think the older we get, sometimes we lean into those things that our authentic selves like love. The garment knitting really bloomed in graduate school for sure. I think it was a way to de-stress. And so I just love knitting and making my clothes and I'm dabbling with sewing, but mostly knit garments. Who taught you how to knit? My mom actually like hired somebody in fourth grade that was like this 90-year-old woman named Dorothy to teach me to knit. Shout out to Dorothy. Yeah, and I have some of the original little like cards. She'd write out like knitting patterns for knit bells and I still have them in her 
little handwriting. Oh my gosh, that's and amazing. so yeah, and I knew how to knit at that time, but she was teaching me how to read patterns. How long ago did you start your podcast? I started my podcast in 2021. I was on sabbatical because I'm a professor, and after so long, you get a sabbatical, and it was amazing. It's beautiful. And it was this <laughs> this time where I was lonely because my husband also knits, and we oh, were I very, love that. <laughs> yeah. and we were very active in a knitting community near us, and then the pandemic happened, mm-hmm. then I'm on sabbatical, and so just kind of exaggerated this kind of aloneness, I mean, and wanting knitting community, and I would watch these YouTube videos all the time and feel like they were my friends that I was hanging out with, and I just wanted to do it, and I was so scared to start, and so I was on sabbatical, and I thought, I'll just put one out there, and who cares? Yeah. This is, maybe I'll just make a friend, and I've made so many friends, and it's just been, like, so Great. life-giving. Yeah. I feel like that is such a wonderful part of the online community. You find these people that maybe you would have never met in real life. For sure. And the universe kind of scoots you together. And we've ta- we've been talking a lot internally at Making about the community and what that means to us as we build this app. I think that everyone should take a second to like look inward and like what does that actually mean to you? And for us, it's connection, mm-hmm. right? Everybody wants to have that connection mm-hmm. to somebody else, whether it's in person or not. And so, um, yeah, growing that is is important. And I'm glad that you've had that through your podcast, too. Yeah, right. And there's, like, so many layers of communities, too. Some people, it's a very tangible thing that it's perhaps these online platforms and things like that. And, and it's just wild when that's, like, elevated because... Like today, I'm here at Sacred Sheep Festival yeah. with a friend I made online on Instagram, and she lives in Minnesota, and we're hanging out, and these online friendships can bloom, and mm-hmm. yeah, so she flew out here, and I picked her up, and we're hanging out, and it's That's like, so she's so, those your internet friends are real friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. they may not be physically present, but like, yeah. they're present in a different way. Right? Yeah. For sure. You have your knitting. You're sitting down for like a marathon knitting session. What does oh, that look like for I you? I love this question. Thank this you. This is so good. <laughs> this is like a delicious question. Yes. I am very particular and passionate because for me, I have a full-time job and like this is just for fun. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, my I live in the Pacific Northwest, actually just south of Portland here in wine country, so I have a beautiful view. Okay, well, I'm going to come visit you in wine country. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I would love to. I'll take you to a winery. I love it, yeah. Um, And my porch just has, like, there's a creek, and I just have a, and you can hear the birds, and so I love to sit on my porch and just get my knitting out and knit and just enjoy my Mm -hmm. alone time, because I'm also a mother, and just have that time. I have a section in my video podcast that's called Sip, Sip, Knit. And so my mm-hmm. hack is I actually, like, do my whole filming. And then at the end, I pause it and I go make some tea. And then I my Sip, Sip, Knit se- segment actually comes in the middle of the podcast. But I just edit it in the middle because yeah. I, it's, like, it's just like a process of just enjoying my time and my knitting and talking mm-hmm. to my friends. And when I upload one and I get comments, I read every single one and it feels like their friends. Yeah. And today I was in a booth. Somebody came up to me and he gave me the best compliment, which is... They said they enjoy the birds. Like when I'm podcasting, they hear the birds in the background. And I was like, that's what I enjoy. That's why I sit out there. And it was just like so cool to me to be able to share that with somebody and that they noticed it. Yes, I love that. It's like the little things, right? Hey, y'all. 
I am Hannah Thyssen Howard. I am a knitting book writer. You might know me from my work with Slow Knitting and Seasonal Slow Knitting, which are my books, but I also am the current editor of By Hands Zero Magazine and the editor-in-chief of Common Threads, which is a new experimental publication from the Hudson Valley Textile Project. It's like a newspaper. And I've had them all here the whole time this weekend and just having a great time getting to talk to people about everything and get to get to know them. I mean, that's my favorite part is like meeting readers, people that I yeah. haven't met in person. Where did your making journey begin? Oh, gosh. So when I was eight years old, my mother moved us to Kentucky and not just Kentucky, but rural Kentucky. Wow. And we lived out in the country and we went to this little country church. She was a pastor when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And we had all of these great people around us all the time doing things like baking bread and growing vegetables. Yeah. And there was a woman in the church who was a sheep farmer. And she was also a spinner and a knitter and a dyer and all these things. So she just, I guess, took a shine to me and was like, oh, you can come over on Sunday afternoons and I'll teach you how to knit. And at first it was me and like six other kids, but over time it just became me. I was the only one who stuck with it. And she would give me these little balls of yarn and we'd dye them with Kool-Aid and we'd bake cookies and go out and visit the sheep. And um, she taught me how to spin. I did not retain that information. I picked up spinning a lot later in life. Uh, But something about that really early connection to it was so impactful for me. And as I kind of got older, I let go of the knitting a little bit for a while, but came back to it in college. I was living in Iowa, and it was really cold, and I didn't want to go to class. And I was like, what can I do while I watch Gomer Girls? (laughs) And so I just started knitting again, and, and I got really addicted to it. And Ravelry had just started, so there was all this Internet excitement and new books and so I just kind of dove in head first and never looked back. Why are you excited to be here at Sacred Sheep? Oh, man. I think the biggest thing for me at Sacred Sheep is that this has been my first real West Coast book signing event. Love I it. have never done a book signing on this, on this side of the country, and I very rarely get out here. And so it's very exciting to meet readers that I've never met before and yeah. people who come up to the booth and they're like, I have all my books. I didn't know you were going to be here. And I'm like, you should have read the things. <laughs> I want to sign them. Yeah. Like, bring your books to me. I want to sign them. And so um, getting to meet people out here, and they're so excited, and mm-hmm. just a whole new arena of readers that I haven't encountered or talked to before. Mm-hmm. And Portland especially, really the Pacific Northwest is such a woolly place to be. Yeah. That it's um, it's just really wonderful. Yeah. The vibes are, are good. The vibes are epic. The vibes are epic here. It's true. I kind of feel like it's the magic of the Pacific Northwest. What I love up here is just that everything's outside is green and gray yeah. and mm-hmm. everything inside is glowy. Yeah. Like y'all really love warm light up here and I appreciate that. There are no fluorescents. No. No fluorescents. No, no. Just warm light. Everywhere I go in Portland, it's like glowy and warm. Last question. We at Making have been talking a lot about community and like what that word should actually mean because a lot of people throw that word around and community is connection. That's why we built this app. So what would you say to makers who maybe want to really help build that idea of community being connection and not just a word that we throw around? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I've, I've seen is that we have a lot of cult of personality in this industry. Mm -hmm. There are certain people that everyone's really excited about their work and they want to see them and hang out with them. And I just really appreciate when people are able to do that, but also not exclude anyone who is not that person. 
when I go to an event, I almost always have this very particular interaction where someone comes up to me and they're like, oh, I, I saw this person over there, but I've never spoken to them and I want to speak to them. And I'm like, let's go introduce you. Yeah. Let's go say hi. Like, if you've been around in this space for a while, if you've been around as a knitter, someone attending lots of shows, help the people who are newer yeah. at it. That's yeah. really the biggest thing for me with, with community. I mean, I wouldn't be where I was, mm-hmm. where I am, yeah. if I didn't have knitters who were older, wiser, more available, more experienced coming to me and saying, oh, no, 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 do, do this thing. Meet yeah. this person. Yeah. And um, we have to do that for all levels of people, not 100%. just big superstar knitters, but also mm-hmm. for knitters who have never met each other who have something in common. Lifting people up no matter what their follower count is or exactly. no matter how long they've been doing this, what they're doing. If they literally have just cast on their first project and they're, you know, they're Make coming into included. an event like this. Yes. Yeah. It's so important. So good. Yeah, everyone just needs to feel included. Exactly. Hello, Steph. Hi, how are so you? So good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. How for has today me. been? Really great. It's oh been so fun. So busy. Yes, definitely. The, the vibes here are great. Yes. Where did your maker journey begin? Where did it begin? Um, it began in my basement. <laughs> I love it. In the <laughs> and basement. also in Eugene. So when <laughs> I first cool. moved out to Oregon, I had been doing like hanging out with knitters all over the country and doing knitting blogs because I moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. And so this is like how I met people for a few years. And I'd been reading a few knitting blogs and I'd been reading about dyers. And um, I was hanging out in Eugene and I knew a couple dyers there. And they kept saying, oh, it's so easy. You can totally do this. And I was like, maybe. You know, I've got some parents that do art and illustration and paint. Like, I'm not really afraid of color or anything. Yeah. and, you know, my dad sent me a dye kit, you know, for, like, a Christmas present a couple, of, you know, years before that. And I was like, well, if I open this thing, it's going to be all over. So I have to wait until I have some free time. So I finished my AmeriCorps job. And, um, you know, lo and behold, there's, like, this little economic depression going on. And there's no way mm-hmm. I'm getting a job anytime mm-hmm. soon. So I was like, you know, open this dye kit and maybe I'll have a baby. So I did that, like, in October of 2008. I was wow. pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and had a yard business inside of a month and a half. Someone's an overachiever. I gave up birth to two things in one month. So I was selling yarn to, like, my friends, obviously, for many months. They were really great and just bought more yarn, and I just reinvested. So it sounds like you grew up just in a very creative household. Yes, definitely. So um, how did you learn how to knit? Um, So my mom taught me how to knit several times between six and eight. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) several several times. Several times, yeah, eventually it took. Um, and at some point she was like, you have to make a garment. So I think around 13, she like made me make a sweater out of Vogue knitting and yeah. Um, and do then you still was have like, that sweater by any chance? God, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> some people are like, I'm proud of this. And some people are like, I don't want to I see mean, it I mean, it looks again. okay. It's a, you know, it's a Vogue knitting sweater with yeah. like, but no, I don't have that. Yeah. And she'd be like, here, make a sweater for your new, you know, cousin or whatever. And yeah. just, I would just do it. Right. Yeah. She would explain stuff. It had intarsia, the dinosaur sweater. Who cares, right? Mom will explain it. Mom taught me how to knit socks over the phone. Oh, my. (laughs) That was really hard. Wow. Really, really hard. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty funny. How do you know which one needle? I was like, which one is needle one? I know. (laughs) 
I mean, it's it was hard enough for me to figure out how to turn a heel by watching videos. Yeah, and this was before wow. you could get like lots of great videos. And yeah, I mean, I remember being in Colorado. I always just did like a little bit every year for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I knit a sweater. I'd spend my birthday money. Mm-hmm. I'd get like Vogue knitting or interweave knits, and mm-hmm. I knit like one sweater. And that's what nice. I did. For many years. Then I started finding more knitting blogs and going to more things and finding people through meetup.com. That's big, right? You have your knitting. You're sitting down with your knitting. Mm -hmm. You have a good, like, half a day to just knit. Half a day? Have a half a day to knit. And not do anything else? And not do anything else. What is your perfect setup? My perfect setup? I mean, there's going to be, like, a hot mug of tea, I hope. Hot mug of tea. There's going to be like some some uh, some kind of Netflix or Vicky situation going on, Perfection, right? Love, right? Possibly an audio book, depending on what I'm actually working. Got it. Okay. There's going to be some yarn in a basket, preferably in a cat-free contraption. So your cat is interested in your yarn. Oh, I have video of him going in and scooping like this to like <laughs> find the perfect ball. He's like, no, not that one. I'll get this one. Yeah, he's pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. He has preferences. <laughs> well, he knows that the round ones are better. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's smart. He's yeah. smart. And the I other one it. is inter- like doesn't really know about it, but she's starting to be interested. So, Well, she's going to learn from him. Maybe. She's kind yeah. of big and lazy. <laughs> you work in sustainability. You're a full-time sustainability analyst. Mm-hmm. How does that inform what you do with your yarn business? First of all, there's like all of the operation stuff like I have solar panels on my roof we buy um supplemental like green electricity from the power company mm-hmm. i try to recycle everything i try to reuse plastic if you get an extra large bag for me it's probably from like my grocery shopping or something like yeah. that right i do all of those things um and then when i source fiber which is really the easiest way to get sustainable wool into a business like mine mm-hmm. i try to make sure it's sustainably sourced so that means um, Polworth or, Fa- or Falkland Merino from the Falkland Islands, where they have really great practices for their yeah. sheep. Treat their sheep really well. They treat their land really well. I get carbon beneficial wool or climate beneficial wool. Um, it's Rambouillet and like a silk blend, and they mm. order straight Rambouillet, and it comes from Nevada, and it's been certified through the Fiber Shed organization down there. Love. So they're they're doing great land management practices again, sequestering fiber back in the soil. Being sustainable can feel like you're, like, I mean, that's such a big thing, right? Like, there's yeah. so much you can do. And just even little things are going to make a big difference in the end. Well, and that's just the environmental part of sustainability. I mean, yeah. take social responsibility quite seriously. Yes. Right? We take diversity, equity, inclusion, yes. racial equity, and social justice really seriously. Yes. Speaking out on issues, making sure that, you know, I belong to safe spaces, I'm trying to support um, other BIPOC dyers and makers. That's really important to me. That's like why we built this whole app is that we saw that the same people were being highlighted over and over. Hello, my name is Shelly. I am the everything at Shelly Can. (laughs) The everything person? The everything person. You do it all. I do it all. (laughs) Except for shipping now, but that's great. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's great. I'm a fulfillment center now. Oh, beautiful. I love that for you. Big business. Me too. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, where did your maker journey begin? When I was a, when I was born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I have always been a designer, and then at some point several years ago, I I followed all these cool illustrators and designers who did like cool merch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always a knitter by hobby, and I thought 
uh, knitters need some cool stuff and I want yeah. some cool stuff. And so I started making it. I love it. Um, and I wasn't sure if it would become a thing or not. And within the year, it was like blowing up. Perfect. I mean, I hustled, but it was. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> especially as women in this world, we need to recognize that. Yeah. Because I think we. It just happened out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, we, I think that a lot of people quickly will go to like, I, I got so lucky. And it's like, no, you actually worked your ass off. Yeah. And you need to recognize yeah. that. I traveled. I was invited actually out here yeah. to Starlight. Um, Starlight invited Love. me to the trunk show. Um, and I organized it. Good job, Starlight. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, yeah. Melissa. <laughs> uh, still love our star today. Yeah. Oh, um, great. Yes. And then I started contacting other shops on the West Coast. And I did a whole little tour of the West Coast. And nice. it was super fun. Okay. Yeah. So when did you learn how to knit? Um, when I was a kid, my grandma taught me. Oh, so just some garter grandma. stitch blankets and stuff. Good job, Grandma. Yeah. yeah. Like cabbage patch yarn. <laughs> Sorry, my phone switched Ooh. to dark mode while I while we were just chatting. It's about okay, to get dark. <laughs> we're going now. Dark, we're getting dark we're in dark mode now. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Okay, your go-to craft is knitting. Mm -hmm. um, let's say you have a whole day mm -hmm. to just knit. Yeah, there's no other responsibility that needs to Amazing. happen. What is your like perfect setup? Um. A movie I've seen a million times. Awesome. Uh, snacks, my project, and my window's open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the movie? Um, I call it like TBS movies. So like things yeah. that you should see on TV, like Sweetest Thing or Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's a good one. <laughs> a lot of like fun TV reruns. Yeah. Um, or a series. So if there's like a several movie series, like, um, I don't know, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but... Somebody was like fast and furious because it was like nine of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen them, forever. but that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Just something that can go for a long time. What are your snacks, though? Um, let's see. Popcorn. Perfect. Like pop, popcorn. Um, I should be able to answer this because I'm starving. Maybe that's why, <laughs> that's why you can't. Yeah. That's why you can't. If you were to teach, be, if you were to be able to teach anybody mm -hmm. to knit, who would it be and why? Oh my God, that's an impossible question. Circle back to that. <laughs> okay. No idea. Like a famous person? A famous person? Yeah. Who's somebody you'd want to hang out with a lot? I don't know. Kind of bad at the pop quiz question. Okay. So I could like, you know, if somebody was like this person, I'd be like, yes. Somebody said Pedro Pascal. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's a great question. Yes. Him. I just keep saying it because eventually the algorithm will show him these videos. Yeah. And like Pedro that. Pascal. Pedro come Pascal hang out with us. I'll teach you how to knit. We're in dark mode. Dark. Okay. <laughs> this might be easier. This might be easier. If you could do a collab with anybody Ooh. or a brand that you haven't collaborated with, who would it be? I actually had on my list that I wanted to collaborate with. Oh, let me think of this. This is we're manifesting. That's yeah. what we're doing right now. Um, oh, my gosh. Smart Wool. Nice. I actually use a lot of their merino base layers. They do a lot of bike biking, cycling, yeah. outdoors nice. in the cold. Um, and they produce 100% wool textiles. So any place really that does wool, like they do apparel or something, it would be fun to design a fabric. Yeah. Yeah, it's rad. Yeah. And I was going to ask you what you do that has nothing to do with knitting, but I think you just answered it. Yeah. Cycling. Yes, cycling. Awesome. I ride my bike all the time. Hi, I'm Kemper Ray. I'm from North Carolina. Um, and I'm a dyer. Lindy Dyer. Where did your maker journey begin? I've always made things especially tiny things i like tiny things oh which is probably because i'm so tall i like that though and so where did what is that what does that mean how 
I don't know. I make okay. miniatures. I'm oh, yeah. Okay, yes, 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 yes. So um, I've always made tiny things, and I started knitting when I was in college because I broke my foot, mm-hmm. and I was bored. So I started okay. knitting. I learned how to crochet at Girl Scout camp. Some thin for- mints and some crochet. Yeah, gotta love it. Probably made some terrible projects. Yeah, you know. You know. They're fire retardant. It's what we do. <laughs> Adage. I have a question about the name of your company. How how did that come about? Uh, it's sort of a dumb story, as I most, love it. Most things are. Um, my partner came into my crafting room one day and said, "It looks like a junkyard in here," and that's where it came from. That's wonderful. What a great story. I think that. Um, I mean, that's you're gonna cherish that one forever yeah and also i think when you grow up in south carolina people kind of assume something about you that you're like down home kind of local yokel and so it's sort of a a nod to that also Mm -hmm. because you know maybe i'm kind of a little bit of a local yokel so you're sitting down to knit and crochet yes you have a couple of hours and you're just like you're gonna just go for it got it you, you have no distractions. You can do whatever you want. What is your perfect scenario? Where are you sitting? Um, where are you listening, watching something, snacks, drink? What What is it? Probably listening to an audiobook. I have ADHD, so I like to not have too many things that I'm trying yes, to do. Yes, I understand. <laughs> so my brain wants me to have 14 things on. Yep. But I try to keep it to just one. Audiobooks usually, sometimes a show. Nice. Um, but I've never taught myself how to read and knit at the same time. People who can do that. just having this conversation earlier. I'm amazed by people who can do Hannah. I, Hannah can do it. I, I don't get it. I'm like, all right. I can well. barely read a page. Yeah. No. <laughs> I would reread the same sentence yeah. over yeah. and over again. I mean, I can read, but it's like way, like the, the ADHD no slash, reading. Jen cannot read. Everybody. Jen can't what read. an interesting story that would be. That <laughs> somebody who has been working in marketing for years cannot secretly. read. Yeah, secretly can't read. can't read. Wow, what a story. <laughs> I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I'm also a writer, so when I read, um, it tends to get my juices flowing and yeah. so then I can go and write. And so I usually sit in my like cozy armchair. Mm. And have a beverage of some sort. Sometimes it's wine, sometimes it's not. So if you could teach one famous person how to dye yarn or knit or crochet or whatever, who would it be and why? I would never teach anyone how to dye yarn because (laughs) the way I do it is so chaotic that no one needs to know. Okay, but now I need to know. Again, it's the ADHD thing, right? Yeah. The whole thing is you have to have things that, here's a lesson, folks. You have to have yeah. things that are your point of use, right? So if everything yeah. isn't in your area, you don't know that it exists, uh, right? Yep. So I end up spending a lot of my time dying like, oh, wait, I need this. Oh, wait, I can't find it. <laughs> so I would never teach anyone how to die because it would just be like, where are you? Oh, okay, wait, hold on a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah. assistant can attest to this. Oh my goodness! I but, I'm fe- I feel this very much <laughs> in my soul. Teaching someone to knit, um, I feel like it would have to be someone who is fairly patient. Mm-hmm. 
Um, hmm. That's a hard question. Man, you asked a hard question. Hard hitting questions here. I Just, don't know why. Who's somebody that you would person? want to hang out with? Oh. That's famous. That's a that's another good we'll question. Start there. Yeah, that's another good question. <laughs> um Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift. So well, doesn't she already know how to does she knit? Well, all the better. I don't have to do anything. Perfect. We could just Great. sit around. <laughs> yeah, I love and that. My friendship bracelet. Yeah. I don't know. I've just been listening to a lot of Taylor Swift recently. That's fair. I don't know much about her, honestly, apart from the fact she has a cat. And she now is at every NFL game. She's dating ever. a football player, apparently. Yeah, she is. I was yeah. told that recently. So mm-hmm. that, that's the all internet I know. told me that. Yeah. If you could only dye with three colors for the rest of time, what would they be? Pink, purple, yeah. and probably green. Love it. But like a really bright, like acid green. Ooh. Like 